You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Marvel Comics Spotlight Podcast. This is Episode 3, Legacy 502. I'll tell you right now, I'm here with Matt, and Matt, this whole deal with it, Legacy, like, one behind, I, I realize already that it's already screwed. Oh, I problem. think I ended up labeling it wrong last week and had to change it. I really think, like, oh, Episode 2, Legacy 502. That's not true because we started up at 500. Maybe we should have had the grand 500 and then kicked off one at Legacy 501. It's going to screw me all along. But here we are with the podcast back. A little shout out to all the people who actually gave some, you know, shout outs to us saying that they were glad that the Marvel podcast is back, even in this little bit more condensed form. A lot of people joining in co-hosts, but what up, Matt? What up? What up? I have to say that. That is my trigger. Here we are. We have three books. Me and you are going to talk about the Immortal Thor, also Ultimate Invasion. And if you ended up tuning in to hear two, you know, rocket surgeons talk about the old Ultimate Invasion, you have come to the wrong podcast because (laughs) that book is dense. That book is wacky. And at the end, really, all I wanted to do was find out, hey, what's going on with this Ultimate Universe? I can't wait to get to that. You even said that you're pumped up. I am. And really, our angle in this last issue of Ultimate Invasion will be, okay, are you, are you still excited about the stuff? Are you? I, I'm telling you, I still am excited. I don't know if I Hickman is just trying to mind freak you every step of the way. He loves and it. It's like he loves to really make you earn your keep. You know, if you're going to get to the ultimate universe, you're going to have to pay. And I mean, not even just the idea that two of the issues in that four issue series are nine bucks. I'm talking you're going to pay with time. You're going to pay with breaking teeth. Oh, you got to analyze goodness. maps. You had a map. In oh, the last my issue. goodness gracious. I mean, <laughs> what am I, Door of the Explorer? I don't need that. I just want to, I, I really just thought that this was good. And I should have known better because we, we also have data pages. We oh, have yeah. all of his, you know, little, uh, little fetish things going on. And by the end, I'm like, I just wanted to be like, oh man, this is really fun. I didn't have much fun. It felt like homework, but it's over. I'm still looking forward to the ultimate stuff and see what he might do. I, it, do you think he can have fun? I mean, seriously, do you think that the guy can actually have a lot of fun writing a comic? Yeah, I mean, you said he's doing Spider-Man, and Spider-Man is typically fun dialogue. I mean, unless he has somebody else helping him with the dialogue, which is quite possible. It'll it'll be him. Maybe, and some people will probably say, well, he did this, that, hey, this was fun, whatnot. It's just like now, he seems just like an old man who's into data pages and maps. Is what it seems like. Yeah, he's just worried, a, he's an actual like you know, we always say architect, but he is the, like, an architect for certain events and and things, and then he just does it and leaves. That's yeah, it, he, you know? and he is an architect because half the time he's writing things, it's it's as if I'm looking at a blueprint that I don't understand yeah, what's happening. He's an actual because architect. That's what he does, but we have two books, as I said, we're going to do the Immortal Thor, then we'll do the Ultimate Invasion, and then me and my man Greg, Greg will join me to talk a Blade Three, which is exactly the opposite. Of the ultimate invasion It is just an action movie There for fun So you get that yin and a yang But before we get into this Let me remind everybody to go over to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics Or go to the Weird Science DC That's the main one that I go But you can go and follow us at each one If you do, 
I will follow you on back. And then you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get a bunch of shows, uh, even more shows with me and my man Matt here. We do a crisis podcast. It's mm-hmm. kind of an events podcast. We call it the comic book crisis power hour. I don't know why I called it that. It's a little wacky, but I like it. We, we're actually going through Spider-Man Reign now because we're going to have that Kari Andrew sequel to that coming out soon. And a lot of people say that it really stunk. We actually liked the first issue. Yeah. We ended up starting that last week. And what we do is each week, every Sunday, me and Matt get together and do a big comic, a big series type deal. And we've done things like Secret Wars, obviously, Rain and, and Kingdom Come. Oh, Crisis on Infinite A bunch of stuff, Crisis on Infinite Earths. We've done a lot of these things. And yeah, this one is more of a smaller deal, but we ended up liking that first issue of Spider-Man Rain. So if you want to hear us do that and a bunch of other things as well, check out our Patreon. I'll say it just once more till the end. The uh, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. There you go. And it'll be in the show notes, but we'll kick into the books right now. And we're going to start with Immortal Thor number two. And obviously, the reason they put Immortal on this book is because of Al Ewing and the Immortal Hulk. They want to get that kind of lightning in a bottle again. I'm not so sure they've done it yet. I like this book enough. I still am waiting to see, like, okay, it hasn't gotten the hooks in me fully. You know, I'm interested. I like the art by Martin Coccola. You also have colors by Matthew Wilson and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I will also say that it drives me nuts that Al Ewing seems to insist to have the credits at the back of every issue that yeah, he does. Yeah, I couldn't even find it here. It's it's ridiculous. It's always him doing it in the back. And I know that there's that little bit, you know, some are in the front, some are in the back. His are always in the back. Drive me nuts. But again, you have the second issue. The first issue, he came in big. He ends up having the Thor of Utgar, Tyrannos come in, and you have the old Utgarians going on, the old, old, old gods, and trying to threaten what is happening. You know, with Thor being the king and all that, and you fix it, but you had a lot of things going on, and I did like it, and the art was great. When we get to this, I kind of wanted a little more than just Thor against Tyrannos in this weird way of, I'm going to fight you. Oh, that didn't work, but I'll fight you again. Ooh, I'm getting tired. That didn't work, and I'll fight you one last time, and then it works, at least for now. It really just seems to set up for the end to have Loki. You know, pretty much Thor doesn't have a choice. Loki's there to maybe protect them, but the idea where Loki ends up looking like a little sus by the end and yeah, setting definitely. up some things. But the art's really good still. I really do, and I like the idea of Thor using some of the Odin power, some of the, you know, all the things with Molnir. And end up where if he uses it all, the cost of it is he he goes to the all sleep. He ends up where, okay, I'm going to try to get rid of this Tyrannos, but now I'm going to fall asleep for a yeah. while, which it, it felt weird at first because then I'm thinking, yeah. Odin's always doing that. He's always passing out for years like to recharge and what. Well, the problem sleeps. I have, and I think you have, is that this is a Thor book. If, if yeah. Odin falls asleep, he kind of have Thor's. In this, I was <laughs> wondering, like, what are we going to do then? But it looks like the whole Thor all sleep is going to end up mixing with what Loki wants to do to do these trials and have this whole, you know, storytelling trials of the trickster god sort of thing. But when you're doing it, again, Tyrannos as this threat and in the play, you do get rid of Tyrannos, but it really feels like it's like only for a hot weekend. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back, definitely. Oh, he'll be back. And it, I thought that they were just going to play, 
And I thought it was kind of a neat thing where Al Ewing's like, okay, I'm going to introduce this Tyrannos, really a big threat. Goes and they're in New York City, and you end up Tyrannos has destroyed the Statue of Liberty because Thor was having his Thor thinking time when he ended up, you know, hey, I got to go to Midgard, I'm going to check it out. Oh, yeah. no. And he seems to have brought like the destruction to Earth because of him just being there in Tyranno. So when he did fight him, he feels bad by the end. But I actually thought this was going to be like Al Ewing. Okay, I'm going to get back to Utgar's stuff in Tyrannos, like issue 19. So we'll have him go away. I'll let people almost forget <laughs> about the threat. Thor acts like he is going to be back in about a, 48 hours. He really, because he actually in this when he does, and what he does is he ends up, he tries to strike down Tyrannos. Tyrannos just laughs at him. Yeah, he's like, that's the best you got. <laughs> I like when he calls him a micro-god. Oh, yeah, micro you micro-god. And I wanted Thor to yell, like, size doesn't matter. That's what Sif said. But you end up where he's just, you know, making fun. Hey, you can't do anything. So then Thor has to reach back again. And, he has, and it, it, again, it goes with that price of magic, price yep. of his, you know, whole deal abilities. And he says, I have used this big play and it didn't do anything and now i'm already getting i'm I'm getting tired the all sleep is coming thor's powers don't really have a price he can use them as much as he wants but once he adds in odin's stuff it becomes a whole different ball game yeah yeah once you do the odin power you have to go so then it's funny because i do like the art a lot i think the art is great yeah, it's great I think with the, the colors are really, really yeah i was good. gonna say it's it's the coloring and i guess the lighting that they use that really sets us apart from anything else when you have tyrannos who is there and when he shows up i mean he makes the whole world dark he has his lightning you have thor with his lightning it looks awesome and the only thing i have to say a bit of a negative is only that while the dark stuff's going, when you do end up focusing then on Thor and Tyrannos, Thor looks a little more cartoony than he normally would, only because of how dark and gritty and evil Tyrannos looks. But when you end up seeing little, I mean, look how little Thor is to this oh, guy. Tiny. I mean, he's so little. So he attacks, it doesn't work, and he has to use, you know, the Odin power. And he knows that if he does this, you know, this is two-minute warning. This is like five seconds left. In my mind, what this is is you have now scored the oh, – you're down, you're down by two, and you have to go for the two-point conversion with no seconds on the clock. If, if yep. this doesn't work, you're done. You, you head out. So he thinks, okay, I'm going to do this. But it, there's that weird play that he adds the Odin power, then he hits, then he uses Molnir power to end up opening up this rift. And I wanted it to be something a little more clever. Because then he's like, look behind you. <laughs> and you end up, Tyrannos <laughs> looks back and it's like, oh, the yawning void. Well, that doesn't matter. And then you end up having Thor Just trying to generate wind to blow him in. And he even then has to like almost pray himself and say, please, you know, all, uh, everybody, every bit of. He had like a luck god too he was praying to. I mean, he's praying to. His brother, the god of poetry, is yeah. all the things. He does that later as well. But at one point he says, uh, as a parent, as I wish them to be, to make you drop your guard, blow winds of Midgard as you have never blown before. So he's like reaching back and really doing this. And it's kind of funny after all the crap talk that Tyrannus has been doing. All of a sudden he's like, oh, crap. And he goes flying back with a stupid wheel. I'm like, oh, well, it, it made him feel like <laughs> not as 
big or bad anymore. It was He'll weird. He'll come back 20 times stronger. And you're right, it'll be an issue 19 match. We've already forgot about it. And when, when he does come back, I think the play might end up being that, okay, maybe we're going to screw around a bit with the Odin power. Maybe there's going to be some play that he can't use that. Because wouldn't you just try to do the same thing again unless Tyrannos comes back? I'm, I'm ready for this. You can't do it, though. It was weird. But he gets put through this. Portal. If there's a dark version of Thor, then there's probably a dark version of Odin too. So, oh yeah, there. yeah. So that's going to be super in. strong. And, and yeah, you'll have everybody coming back. So it's crazy. But then, yeah. but boom, he's gone. And he's like, okay, it's done. I got him away, but he's not away for very long. I got to figure this out. He wants to go and do the all sleep and says that if I don't go to sleep, if if he keeps using the Odin power, then the, the all sleep really it's worse. But if he fights it and doesn't go to that's bad yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Everything extends it. So he needs to get things done and he needs to do them quick. The problem is, is that at one point, and I think that Al Ewing doesn't play it off as great as I think he should have. He wants to fix things. He ends up fixing the Statue of Liberty, but says there's still people dead, but at least somebody can come and get them out of the rubble. But he realizes, like, I, I'm, I'm in big trouble. If I stay here, I'm going to fall asleep and Tyrannos is just going to come right back here and destroy everything and that's the weird play he realizes tyrannos really doesn't care about midgard doesn't really care about new york city or earth he's after me so Mm -hmm. he goes to the moon he ends up going off to the moon thinking okay at least at this point if tyrannos comes and i'm asleep he'll just destroy me Maybe crack the moon. That's not great. Yeah, that that, that would be worse than destroying the city. Yeah, it would be. But again, we've had we've had recently where we had, I think, (laughs) wasn't that the Fantastic Four? Yeah, you had the moon split two, and nothing ended up coming from it. Not even they they put it together some back together somehow. They got Humpty Dumpty, which (laughs) might be Dan Slott actually. He'd block me for that if he actually didn't block me already. (laughs) Uh What he's a he blocked me. Because at one point I was just joking because he, he said, listen, the next person who says you ruined Spider-Man, I am going to block. And then I was like, OK, I'll give it. it a go. You ruined Spider-Man, LOL. I thought he really, not that I care, but he blocked me then. I'm like, yes, he stuck to his word. It was obvious I was joking, but <laughs> maybe. And again, I, I don't think he ruined Spider-Man. I don't really think he's a nice guy to people or whatever, but fine. And a lot of people, you know, superior and stuff like that. But you end up where Thor, he reaches back. He's going to use, again, he's using more power to put things back together. This is going to extend the sleep. He put back together the Statue of Liberty. Did he worry about, like, the electrical wiring and the plumbing? Nah, they, and- no, that's a union job. You can't, <laughs> in New York City, if you don't follow union rules, you're in big trouble. At one point, me and my buddy Pete that I used to work, at a place where we actually went to New York City to help this one thing. They needed some stuff that we did on this building that was being built. And the problem was, is like they, they had a union for everything. Like we went up to check out this setup and we were told, like, if you have to unscrew something, yep. you call down and we'll get that guy. If you have to do this, if you have the electrical and all that. And then Pete, like an idiot, it's like, oh, what would happen if we didn't call them? Like, he thought he was joking. And we were up. It's like one of those buildings that's being built. It's like open net parts and whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, you see over there? That's going to be your exit door. We were like, you know, floor Push three right two. Off. Yeah. I'm like, I-, I think I will get somebody to, to turn a screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send Tony Soprano's crew after you. Well, yeah. It was scary. Uh, but yeah, he just puts it together. I like, though, he's like, 
Oh, yeah, and there's still people dead, but at least, you know, if there's bodies down there, they can get them out of the rubble. I have to go. So he says, I got to get away from Earth. I don't want Tyrannos to come. If I fall asleep, if I pass out here, he's going to come and destroy everything. So he does go off to to the gray area of the moon where the Inhumans were. It's kind of funny. And and again, Dan, or Al Ewing, I almost called him Dan Slott. Al Ewing is going to give you that just in case somebody yells. That lightning that went is because there's a thin bit of atmosphere left over. I thought that was kind of funny. But when I see those things, I always think it's 100% so people don't yell at you at a con like those Trekkies do. Mm -hmm. Trekkies like Stork ruin it for everybody. Thanks, Stork. Yeah, really. So at this point, he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to fall asleep. I might not wake up. I might be in big trouble here, but at least nobody else will get hurt but me. And Loki shows up. And Loki shows up and says, hey... I think I can help you. Will you trust me? And I like this play, though, because then, like, really, the art shows Thor can barely stand up. I mean, he is struggling. It's also delaying things. I wish yep. we knew, like, for every three seconds, it's five years. I'm like, he's come not on thinking now. He's yeah, sleep, he's, right? yeah, he's taking probably a couple minutes to answer him. He's like, just, uh, just, 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 yes, just, I'm falling asleep here, dude. Whatever you want. Loki seems to be playing that as well of the, like, <laughs> we got three questions. Just ask the, the yeah. one. But he's, Loki says to Thor, listen, I'm going to ask you some questions. You have to answer right. If so, I'll help you. But I do like when Thor's like, oh, good, Sith. She found out. She sent you, eh, no, Sif's worried about Sith that Bifrost. She's just staring at Bifrost. She didn't <laughs> know nothing. I just came here. And that's been kind of the weird play even the last issue when Loki just disappeared at one point. They didn't even know where. It looked like that was a cost of something because Loki putting together the Bifrost again. So you have all that going on. And what goes goes is he says listen i'm going to ask you some questions and whatever the answer is do you trust me you know as a as guardian yeah i trust yeah hey as a family member yep yep you're there for me your kin always do you trust me as an enemy and it's funny where that's where thor almost does the like what the hell did you just perks up a little bit if it's me what a what other option do you have i mean if you go now i don't see you you're done so you can all and, and it's the weird play of what does that actually mean? Like, what does Thor think it means? What is Loki saying? And Loki ends up trans, you know, going through a transformation at that point when, you know, Thor says, yes, I do trust you as an enemy as well. What do you have going on? And even says you, you don't want to trust the trickster in something like that, but no choice. And boom, ends up where Loki looks like trans, you know. It goes into this teller of tales. Yep. You have a lot, like we said, like Enchantress looking mm-hmm. and standing there, big, you know, big Loki scepter and says, you know, greetings, Thor. It has been a long time, hasn't it? And that's where you're like, OK, what the heck is going on here? Like, what's going on? Because usually in the change up of Loki, the little I've seen, it, it isn't like this. Oh, here's somebody else. Here's, uh, you know. Hey, I don't know where I am. What's going on? It seems like it's just done. And and in that, Thor really reacts like, oh, my God, what are you doing? And by the way, I'm about to fall asleep. I do trust you. Now I'm mad if I knew this was going to go on. But make sure you trust yourself. And then you end up where Loki says, well, we'll see. We'll find out about what's happening. And ends up at the end just hovering there. And there's like over a volcano all of a sudden. I'm like, I don't know what just happened. But when you look at the next issue and some of the solicits, it looks like, and and also I thought, and I think you might have thought too, almost like how we had 
Chip Zdarsky doing Daredevil, and all of a sudden, Elektra was Daredevil. I was like, oh my god, people are going to flip out if this is the switch of all of a sudden, this book is actually a Loki book, not a Thor book, but it looks like it's going to continue with Thor in these trials. It says, and here in the back of this, it says, Thor in the wilderness, as Tyrannos hunted him across the stars, the Odin sun was trapped, marooned in a puzzle the size of a planet. In this place, the all-fatherless crown and even his own godly strength availed him nothing. What power then would save him? This is the story of the immortal Thor and the time of the trickster's test. So this seems like this is the immortal part of the immortal yeah, Thor, maybe. You know mind. what I mean? Very odd the way that this was set up. And we were even wondering, are you going to continue by showing some Loki this doing normal stuff? Or is Loki just going to be sitting there watching over Thor because of the idea? Or is this where Thor's body legitimately at the end? Because you don't see it. It's yeah. transported to somewhere else to save him. In the meantime, and that's cool. I think that's cool because I think Thor just wanted Loki to kind of. It'd be funny seeing Loki sitting on Thor, just like twiddling their thumbs. Yeah, I thought Thor was going to like just barely get a last sentence out and pass out on the moon there, but I guess you're right. Uh, Loki transforms him or transports him somewhere. Yeah, so it looks like after that transformation. Which is what he wanted. He wanted somewhere safe to go. Yeah, and, and that works out almost like a pocket dimension, but in this whole teller of tales dimension, it looks like. And that's where it kind of makes. It's weird. I can't really say it makes sense of the idea. Do you trust me as an enemy? And then making the enemy come there and looks like, oh, my God, here we are. Like, I didn't even know what was going on. I'm a new persona here. Oh, man, I'm going to take you there. But that is actually Loki's plan. Like, Loki thinks, okay, I'll, I'll end up turning into the teller of tales who wants to send Thor off on these trials. But in the meantime, the trials will protect Thor like Thor won. It's weird yeah. at the end. But I think it might be pretty cool. We'll have to wait until next issue to see if that's really what it is. But I, I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm not usually an Al Ewing fan, not a huge fan. I ended up not loving all of Immortal Thor or Immortal Hulk, but I end up liking this at the beginning. I'm just. I mean, this is. It's very similar, though. But at this moment, me not being a huge Thor fan, this feels pretty big. It feels fun and it feels interesting enough. So I, I have liked it. How about you? Yeah, I like this issue better than I did the first one. Uh, for sure. So I would, I'll give this one a seven and a half. And the art, just to, just to speak about the art again, it's, it's, ba- if you look at the back page, it's all influenced by, uh, Alex Ross's, uh, design, I guess. And I think that Martin Kokolo did a great job of implementing that within the issue. See, I'm a seven five as well. Cool. I could even go to an eight if somebody would twist yeah, my I mean, arm. I, I actually did like it, but we'll move on to the next book, which is a, uh, a bit of work. It is Ultimate Invasion number four, Jonathan Hickman, writing pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by, Andrew Curry. I wanted to hit the ding sound so I know when we switch. Alex Sinclair on colors, letters by BC Joe Caramagna. The art's really good. Yeah. And at one point, I wasn't the biggest Brian Hitch fan, and it was a DC deal. And uh, Justice since then, League. I, yeah, it was the Justice League stuff with uh, him doing the art and the writing. Yeah, and I, just, yeah, yeah. I just didn't really like it. And I think that he had to rush a little of it because he was also writing it. And so when you get in, it's been great. I mean, this series looks fantastic. Most of the things that he does look fantastic. So that was just like my first time reading anything or looking at anything because we had just kind of started. It was Justice League. And that was delayed and a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that he was having problems keeping up writing and art and things like that. So you go into this. It looks great. But if you don't like Hickman, don't even bother. I mean, if you really don't like Hickman being Hickman, 
you probably would have bailed after that first issue. I saw a lot of people bail after that first issue. This is a $9, but the first and last issue, this one and the first one, nine bucks. Then you have six for the others. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And really, by the end, I just wanted to go like, hey, away we go. It's Ultimate Universe. Let's it's back. See. And I don't know that anything that we've seen in this is real necessary fully for me to then buy Ultimate Spider-Man. Or if they have an ultimate daredevil or no, you know what I mean? I don't think, yeah, you might have things pop up and things like that, but are they, are we going to have ultimate X-Men that is going to hinge on something that happened in issue three of this ultimate invasion with the maker and whatnot? No. So when I went into this, I thought I just want to, I want to get the idea of the fun or if it's not going to be fun, give me an idea of the tone. Of what this ultimate universe will be Because I've read a bunch of the older stuff And when I read this I just I don't know I got bored at points Yeah it's written smart But does it have to be Did it have to get so intricate with the story Just to get us to the ultimate universe You made a point that you just think That it's Hickman who brought down The deal yep. uh, From Secret of Asia and then you get to this And he's going to remake it but did we need to get this intricate did we need it was, a four issue mini to even i mean do uh, that? yeah i'm hoping we review that at one point on our comic book prices power hour yeah secret wars yeah we'll get to that yeah maybe we'll even do that next what the i hell? mean we we might have to because it uh it it, it it does lend itself to why a lot of this stuff is exists and i haven't read that in like six or seven years or whenever it came out but it was it was over the top just like this but it kind of in order to reverse what he did in that, you had to kind of do the same steps to get it back. And um, so even with that, though, you would hope that in the here and now that what you're doing is trying to get maybe new readers to get excited. A about new reader would have universe. no idea what's going that's on. That's what here. I'm saying. So I think that when you have this. Uh, now, I think that's why it doesn't say ultimate universe, ultimate invasion. You just have ultimate invasion because I think that a lot of people, if they were new, if they went to read this, they'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm not. So. Again, they would think after reading these four issues and not knowing anything that went on that maybe the Ultimate Universe is too its too complicated for me, even though it, it probably won't be when we get to it. That's why well, it's a whole, weird gateway in this The whole purpose of it is to be not complicated. Yeah. So by introducing exactly. it with something that's complicated kind of is counterproductive to yeah, what we're trying to do. It's like more of the cinematic, you know, right? It, it's fun. And <laughs> when we go into this, it's like so over the top hickman to just get to that it's crazy but you have howard stark and reed richards in the dr doom looking mess they're trying to you know they're they're actually pretty much you know the slaves of the maker who ends up where half of his head's missing and he has gaps that he can't remember what's happening he has tried to start this new universe he's against kang all of this stuff going on it's so timey-wimey Elseworlds dimension multiverse things and then on top of that Hickman is just like throwing things in you have full out conversations <laughs> that are just like you didn't need to have those two pages of this conversation but it's good it's well written but when you get down to the brass tacks of it I think it's more confusing than what it needs to be to get to the deal but pretty much while all this is going on Howard and and Reed talking, Howard does realize, like, this is not good. This isn't right. But the big play by the end, even, is that Howard is in a universe that he was created in. Like, if you get rid of this, then you die as well. And there's that big play. That's why I told you going in, weird, I, I felt a lot of Flashpoint vibe. The idea mm-hmm. of, I want to make a better 
place for my son. He even leaves a letter like Thomas, you know, wanted to go. It's a little different way of getting there and getting out, but it just had that flashpoint vibe of, oh my God, there has to be a better world than this. And Howard really realizing maybe we even think that really things went really bad for him and he just wants to erase it. The idea of waking up and realizing that the world that I thought was great, it isn't. And I thought I was the hero of my own story and I'm not. And you kind of had that set up before when the maker went to get Howard and said, listen, you kind of did this in the future. That's the kind of timey-wimey stuff you get. I need you to make this machine that you're going to make in the future, but you got to make it now and you got to make it better so we can make it better in the future (laughs) and then make it better. A copy of a copy of a copy. Yeah, and we they even go with that where Howard's like, well, I went with the copy of the copy. And I think that you, maker, you must have made the other one, but there was the flaws here, but I made the copy (laughs) and then the maker's like, I might as well make the copy. It's almost like everybody's fighting for the the copyright. Well, if I make the copy of the copy of the copy before your copy and then I copy it, then I actually did it. It's a weird play. But even in that you have like there are some moments in this that are like eureka moments that I'm just like, I am a dummy because like, oh, listen, when you do the forward and backward, because they want to make this a mortise machine that can then go future and go backwards. But aren't they two in the same and they blend? And I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about. They're (laughs) like, oh, my God, I didn't think of that. But the big play of it then allows them to kind of dupe the maker. Which is hard to do. You set up because he has that memory gap. Part of his head. I did like that, too. And we do see in this that, okay, in the far, far deal, Kang does blast his head. uh, And then he remembers. That's him. And it's funny, too, because it's not it's showing him remembering that happening in that but then back it, it's all so crazy but i did like some of this i also like the idea that throughout all this you do have pretty much multiversal legions of characters like at, yeah there's like 25 captain Americas. yeah i like that i like that the idea that if they can get to the maker in this <laughs> thing they have you know the temporal globe they have all this stuff going on where they can't be reached the maker has pulled himself away sequestered themselves in to do this machine but that's the big play and i did like before yeah you have like 25 caps eight oh, yeah, like they're so all if you have 25 caps doesn't that does that lessen the last page of this where you find the one like i, I guess it doesn't because only because those are kind of i think everything's just erased at the point and then you <laughs> go with it and that's more kang's army too but it's not because again when you see kang at the point it's kang in an iron man like suit yeah it's like iron lad senior exactly right. that it would be where we said howard kind of at one point because what they do to do to make her i'm telling you i hope this isn't as convoluted as the deal but it's tough you end up where they have set up that they're going to put down the defenses hey we're going to make for a couple minutes then we press the button you have read you know do this and it only takes a couple of these people they're like banging at the door so is this the invasion then the ultimate invasion is what these guys are doing i thought the invasion was just them getting to the ultimate universe everything's (laughs) an invasion i don't know so you end up and it's really cool though when you're going through this and you know howard's getting in his you know iron man suit you have reed very dr doom s they're gonna take this deal and hey you take it to him you present it wink wink we're gonna get this done And because, again, the maker has kind of got those gaps and things like that, that's where they're able to press the deal and pull down the whole, you know, what is protecting the protection, the whole grid around. Yeah. And then there's the invasion. And it looks great. I mean, and in that you look and it, it is cool. 
to look at the different versions of some of the characters. Not as much here, I thought, that we had before. Yeah, not as much variety. A lot of a lot of chin strap uh, Captain America. Exactly. And- this almost looks like it's just like they were the only ones left because yeah. the others got decimated. So you end up here where all of a sudden they're coming in. There's Thor's, there's, you know, Giant Man, there's Vision, all the things, Visions, there's a ton of Visions. So they all come flying in to attack. And again, this is the maker like, oh, you guys. And then goes <laughs> after and it's like, I want Kang. As you do end up having it, it's funny where Howard's there in his Iron Man suit. And he actually is the good guy. But he's getting attacked because they Yeah, so he's know. fighting it back against Ant, uh, Giant Man and everybody. It was weird. He, I guess his third option was just attack everybody, I guess, what he was saying. I think that when he said, like, there's the, the option third of, I think the third choice is let this whole place burn down. I think the third choice So he was, doesn't care who he fights. Yeah, just I, get I out think of there. that the third choice was him just destroying everybody Got so it. that we could get to the Ultimate Universe. That's, that's where, and that's actually... Right where I started thinking to myself, oh, man, this is like Flashpoint. Even when you see you, you see a letter that's written to Tony, and this is pretty much a suicide mission, it looks like. Poor Howard, I'm going to go, and I'm going to do this. But it is funny because he opens up pretty much the gate, but the invasion for doesn't know that he's good. They're just attacking mm-hmm. everybody that's on that side. And then you do end up where the maker is just flipping out. Okay, here, and I'd like to the maker's big squad. They're not as like colorful. They're not as cool, right? No, they're like like dumbed down versions of him, like I mean, weird Iron Man looking dudes. They're in that black suit with the way it, it's not as fun. So I like that. I like the idea of okay, we're probably going to go to a more colorful ultimate universe out of this, not this lame butt deal. So they're they're all fighting, and like I said, you end up having at a point where the maker just wants to get to Kang, and they do. I. I know that you have in this where you do have the maker and he's using, you know, the Reed Richards and Mr. Fantastic stretch. Some of the times when they stretch, sometimes I think Brian Hitch already makes characters right. very lean. So, you know so yeah, yeah, here you go. So Brian Hitch, my, my rub against him has always been the arms are just like ridiculously long and the heads are real small and the legs are weird so poses. So when he does this with the maker, it, it looks like it's just him. It just looks like this regular art. <laughs> and when I saw it, I'm like, I, I actually turned the page and ended up like, oh, man, hit you. Oh, wait a minute. No, he's using his stretching powers. I'm like, all right, well, it works that time. He doesn't like, do I it as much. Some. Like, if you look at they, some of these pages are just absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah, I they're mean, incredible. The, the arms aren't some as long. Some of the but characters get, like, they're real thin and tall. Yeah, they're lanky. And, like, really, yeah, they're lanky. Yeah. So when I saw that, it did make me giggle. Like, oh, my, oh yeah, now it's I like, get it. It's like uh, what, what a swimmer's body. You know, they got those real long arms and, uh, you know, Michael Phelps or whoever. I wish I had a swimmer's body. But that's what but it looks like to me. I it don't does. Know. And so when he's attacking, even then, like, it's weird. Like, that one punch is completely missing to then have it blocked by Kang. It's just weird. Yeah. But, yeah, this was the big thing. And this really felt like Maker just wanting to one-up Kang and get Kang back and realizes now oh crap it was you you were the one that blasted me when i faced you then now i want to get this but the big play here is howard then doing pretty much like almost like an emp it actually reminds me of defender when you hit the one button and it's that big bomb yes that blows up everybody and yep. even in that then you have so many stretchy arms <laughs> so they all get just obliterated and so that was the point where i'm like okay now are we in the ultimate universe like 
everything. Oh, we're not there yet. Okay, because then you end up having Reed doing his thing back in the Maker's Castle in Latveria. He's reprogramming stuff. And the big play at the end, you have this countdown of when we go to it. And maybe this is the play of Howard trying to figure out if he did the right thing. If I did the right thing, was this it? Oh, my God, this all sucked, all this. And then he goes up to what was Kang's body. And we both think that it was him. Mm -hmm. Maybe he recognizes Tony. But Tony's little not a young guy, but he's younger. So I don't know, but we we kind of assumed that it was him all along. Yeah, I wouldn't that's think it'd be another read because then you got the Maker, you got Doctor Doom, and exactly. another one. Exactly, and that's why when when ha- and he was in the future supposed to make the machine. Now he's making it now, and it's all that t- it's Kang esque stuff that was going on. And in the way where if that is it, I thought it was kind of a neat play for Hickman to then say wink wink Kang won because it's actually Howard who did yep. it. Who was that and that? And I kind of thought that was kind of a neat play. But then what are we going to do? What does this lead to? What do we go? We go back to that, you know, we go back to the Illuminati Council. And I I don't, again, this is where at this point I thought, boom, all right, what we're going to get at the end is somebody waking up. Oh, my God, it's Spider-Man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that play of going right in and giving you that big deal. I'm like, man, it's nice out today. Even have like. You know, Mr. Blue Sky playing from ELO, and all of a sudden Spider-Man's out doing things. You got Tony. But we go back to this other stuff. We're involved in that big sphere, the way that this is. Oh, man, did the sphere open as if inside that is the play? Well, every month is a thousand years. So if it's 24 months, 24,000 years of evolution. Yeah, and to make it make sense in that. But I'm like, ah, it's it's getting too wonky. It's getting too trying to be too smart. But it's okay, and you then have Reed go to Tony. Hey, your dad had this letter we want to do, and he also gave files from the maker, gave the machine that's kind of not made or broken, and that's where Tony is going to get and make his armor. He ends up making an armor that's pretty cool. I mean, again, if you want to have, this is the sort of thing, like you said, you want to have some changes. does have a Kang-esque mask, though, I will point out. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So he ends up where, again, his dad, Howard, seemed to have been the Kang deal. The Iron So they're like, oh, are you going to be Iron Man? And he's like, no, I don't think I'm ready for that. I'm going to be Iron Lad. And let's go check out some things. And one of the big plays of this whole series was Maker getting rid. You know, there's Spider-Man. He's there doing the tour. And yet, well, Peter Parker, and you end mm-hmm. up having the maker see, oh, my God, there's the spider, grab it, and Peter never got bit. That took care of him. And at one point, they did make, like, we made the expedition to go see the man in the ice, and he wasn't there. There was nothing there where you would have had Cap. Mm-hmm. So that was his idea of, like, I did it. I'm getting rid of these heroes. He wanted that, you know, ultimate universe of his own. He wanted to be without the heroes. He wanted to rule it, whatnot. So the big play there is where you have an epilogue win, and it is Iron Lad Tony. You end up having Reed, and they end up going on an expedition. They go and get into this cavern. They go and look in the ice, and Cap is there. Boom. We have everything back, and we have the ultimate universe. Because, again, you could say, well, is this just going backwards in our universe? But because of it being now and because of Iron Lad, you have that everything's changed to go. I hope that it's good. Again, when we're going through this, it's so weird to talk about. But by the end, when I saw Cap, I finally did get a little excited. I'm like, ooh, this will be cool. But really, by the end of this, I just thought to myself, I'm not going to take anything here against 
what I hope will be fun. I am excited to get to the ultimate unit. This didn't make me any more excited, I have to admit. But it didn't make me say I'm done. I'm not going to deal with it. Me and you are probably going to review a bunch of the ultimate stuff on the podcast. Yeah. And I am looking forward to it because, like you said, it is kind of a fresh start. It's neat to wonder how it's going to play out. But what would you give this? I would give this an eight. And I think it's 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 competent writing. It's it's you have to know what you're what you're getting into before you get into it. But uh, and then the artist incredible. So that that weighs into it. I, I was thinking about it, too. Like, I think the best way to read a Hickman story is to read the last issue first, I think. And then it kind of all makes sense because he wraps stuff around um, that. You and won't when notice. I ended up reading it, I read the fourth issue, this one. Realized that I didn't remember crap about yeah. crap about the others, and then I went back and read them. Then I read four again, <laughs> and I still ended up at points again. I didn't read Secret Wars when we end up doing that on the Patreon. That'll be my first time. So I maybe think you'll that's like part it. Of it. I as do well. think you'll like it. Oh, I heard everybody like really does enjoy it. So I, I'm looking forward to doing it. It's just we we haven't done that because there are so many times. Uh-huh. But usually on that we do the main book. But maybe we'll you know no you can just do what's the main. going on. Yeah, that's what we usually do anyway. There were a lot of books. I remember when it was coming out, Brandon was huge in it when it was well, coming they, they out. They took over the whole line and, and forced everybody to do Secret Wars issues. And it was pretty much right before, you know, a little bit before we started doing the Marvel mm-hmm. podcast. So that fresh was kind of the deal. We did the fresh stuff. Eric was on with us, everything. But I'm going to give it a 7.5. I just, the, the thing that get me uh, gets me by the end, it's not that it was badly written. It wasn't. It, it's Hickman. He's a good writer. It's just that, is this what I needed to get me excited to go forward to the Ultimate Universe? And if anybody, I said at the beginning, we both said, you don't really need to read this if you're just going to say, like, man, I'm going to check out Ultimate Spider-Man. Hey, I'm going to check out Ultimate X-Men. This is just to get you there for Hickman fans. Like you said, people, Secret Wars to see how it goes. It's almost like this is the book to show you how the sausage is made. But if you just want to eat the sausage, <laughs> then just get there. And if you want to put ketchup on it, you're allowed. Yes. I'm not going to get any bit of nonsense. I ended up the other day, I had Polish sausage and I had it with, uh, what's it called? I had this weird like uh, mushroom pasta, this German mushroom pasta. I had it with a thing of potato, uh, mashed potatoes, but then I still put catch up on it nice and even tanya was yelling at me i said you shut your mouth you don't tell me how to eat the sausage you jerk you know i feel like the so- the ketchup gets a it gets a little slimy when you put it on there though it like kind of falls does, off the edge of the, the hot thing dog is, or the sausage. i ended up where i i like doing like i did i don't want to get any ketchup in my mashed potatoes that no. would have been nonsense that's disgusting Ugh. but so what i did was i was planning on eating it as like a meal with just the sausage but i did end up getting two buns yeah. I made. If you're using the ketchup, you got to have the buns, I think. Yeah, Just, because then it, it it rolls around and gets yeah. all over the place. And also this pasta with the uh, the mushroom pasta, this German pasta deal I got at the Aldi. I didn't want any ketchup in that either. I didn't want any sort of nonsense in that. So I did end up getting buns and I made it. Now I'm getting hungry. I might have that again tonight. Who knows? Who knows? But I do have to go food shopping in a minute. So we will. Wrap did, up our part Just here. real quick, did you see the newest flavor of the uh, 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 Halloween cereals? Uh, oh, I saw it was Carmella like some... Caramella Creeper. Yeah, I saw that it was a girl, <laughs> yeah. and I looked. And not that it was a girl, Caramel but I got apple upset. Cereal. <laughs> I was going past, and I'm like looking at it, I'm like, that looks like a bunch of hooey. And, and when I walked by, I actually then, a couple aisles later, I was going to go back to look. I actually, just for some reason, 
I and I didn't even see the name. I thought it was going to be candy corn flavored. Oh, I man, was like, that'd be oh, crazy. that'd be so. And I thought to myself, oh, that's awful. But now you say, I mean, if you're going to like do a new, yeah, if you're going to do a new deal and you say it's just caramel, that works. That yeah. works for the time. You could even have like an apple spice, maybe a pumpkin spice. That'd be kind of cool. But you don't need any new. What do they need to, to because they can't pass on the line because there wasn't any ladies? Is that what they're doing? Like Frankenberry's pissed off. He wants to have a kid. Maybe. So they have to do this. I don't know. The picture I saw, she looked pretty young. I think Frankenberry's <laughs> now canceled. He's now canceled. He's been caught. Chris Hansen is out there doing the catch a Frankenberry looks sus, man. He looked really sus. Yeah. It's funny, most people will go, like, 99% of the people like Count Chocula. I actually liked Frankenberry, and I don't really like strawberry of anything, but mm-hmm. I love strawberry milk. That's probably the only thing of fake strawberry I like. So I really did like Frankenberry. And I remember way back, me and my brother, we decided, and they have have it now, they've had it at points, where we were going to get booberry, Count Chocula, and Frankenberry, and pour it into one bowl, thinking it would be the greatest thing ever. It was the worst. It tasted like... Garbage and now I, I saw at one point They had like the monster, monster mash. mash right yeah. I'm like screw that I tried the Monster mash back in the day That didn't work <laughs> though at one point my Brother this is how discovered my brother At one point and he wasn't even that Young anymore he liked to eat sticks Of butter he mm. would just like He God. would cut them into little pats And then eat them like a snack Right so at one point what He thought was going to be great he Chewed up a bunch of bubblicious gum like really chew it up and then spit it in milk Ugh. so that the, the gum was in there and his spit, mixed it up, took the gum off and thought that this was like going to be the greatest drink ever and had the nerve to ask me to taste them. What am I going to do? just spit that crap in there. And he's like, That's it's really good. Right. He's like, he's like, it's bubblicious milk. I'm <laughs> like, I, I don't need bubblicious milk. And I said to him, why didn't you just chew bubblicious and drink milk while you're chewing it? Ugh. And then he kind of looked at me. He was not very smart, my brother. My brother was not, he was not smart at all. <laughs> he was kind of dumb. At one point, I ended up where, and this is no joke. This is actually, you're going to think that this is like from a sitcom or something where I said to him, you're so dumb, you don't even know the months of the year. And he's like, I do. I know all 14 of them. And yep. And I just walked away. It was oh, a man. legit thing he said. And I'm like, all right, you got smart. And what else you got yeah. going on there? Smarch. And then at one point, He ended up thinking in his mind that the months changed or like he legit his birthday was it's funny, his birthday, September eleventh. He actually got married on the September eleventh. And so you end up where he's like, Oh man, when's my birthday this year? (laughs) It's September. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know, but when does September come up this year? Like he actually thought leap year was like, you know, mix and match, like dealer's choice. He actually thought each year they must have had a, a a draft. All right, this year we're going to start with July. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, not a smart kid. <laughs> not a smart kid. And I say not a smart kid. I was thinking the other day, I have not talked to my brother, and I talked one word to him, How and many I years? think it was the classic SUP. That was about six years ago. Before that, probably 10. So I've said in like 16 years, I've said SUP to my brother. And the twist is, he still lives in Quakertown. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does I haven't he? talked to my mom. Yeah, yeah. I haven't <laughs> talked to my mom in six years, and she he lives, lives in the like, same town. <laughs> she lives three blocks away. My mom and I haven't talked to her in six years. So oh I man, deal with her. Oh my! Once my dad died, I was out. I I, I no longer he was holding have the a family, family together. 
Yeah, it seems like she ended up going wacky. I, I, I should have looked into it. I think that she was doing some little crazy stuff with the will. We were talking about this the other day. It's weird that my dad wouldn't have left me or my brother anything. Nothing at all. It all went to my mom. And I know for a fact that my dad, occasionally when I would talk to him, he'd say, oh, don't worry. When I'm gone, you'll be taken care of. He kept saying that to me. I didn't. I That's not anything that I get all fired up or anything about. But I'm like, all right, whatever. And then like a year after he did, I'm like, he didn't take care of crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's going on here? And I ended up asking my mom and she kind of like, oh, yeah, well, uh, the lawyer then I'm like. You bitch! I I know that she didn't. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. She's there with some boyfriend of her. She thinks she's from South Philly now. She's from Bournemouth, England. For crying out loud, thinks she's from South Philly. But that is that. That is that is it for us. We still end up having some more podcasts. We're going to go off to Gray and me talking some Blade, which is. I mean, if you want fun, you want some action. It is pretty much the series to get that. But we'll go off to hear us talk about it right now. All right, and I'm here with Gray. What up, Gray? Hey, how's it going, Jim? Oh, it's going great. And we're here to talk Blade, a book that I asked you to do with me because you had told me how much you like it, and so do I. So it's one of those kind of books that I don't hear that many people talking about, and I think they should. I think it's really, really good, right? Me too. I really enjoyed it. And the first two issues, they were a bit of a surprise for me. Um, so we're on up to issue three, aren't we? Jim, what surprised me, it says on the cover, Legacy, only 31. There's only been 31 issues. Yeah, there's only been 31 solo Blade issues, which wow. you would think there would be more, of, you know, even with the character having movies and stuff like that. Yeah. But it is funny, like, y- you have a character that it seems like a lot of people don't know what to do with them. I mean, obviously, he's going to fight vampires. He's going to do stuff like that. But I guess they just can't quite figure out how to write him, what to write him, and and what to do. But I I do think that this is pretty good. I I actually think that Brian Hill has a good feel for the character, and pretty much it's Wesley Snipes. I mean, it really is, right? It's right off the movies. It feels like a movie when you're reading it. It does, because one thing, he he always looks so cool. He talks, he speaks so cool as well. It's not just the art, but yeah, I think you're right. He does write him as Wesley Snipes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just an action movie comic with yeah. pretty pretty good art. And now I we were talking about the art before we got on here and saying that we both like Alana Casagrande's art, but this issue felt like there was a little bit off, like maybe she was rushed a bit. I think that when I go through the credits, we're going to see why, because this is Blade Number 3, written by Brian Hill. Pencils by Alana Casagrande with Valentina Pinti. And I don't think we had that before. I'd have to check, but I don't remember. And there are panels in this that didn't seem quite like Alana Casagrande. So we actually have a second penciler. We also Mm. have inks by Alana Casagrande, Roberto Poggi, and Valentina Pinti, and colors by K.J. Diaz, letters by B.C.'s Corey Petit, and it's Mother of Evil Part 3. And yeah, we were talking the idea that I liked Alana Casagrande's art on the Kelly Thompson Black Widow book, but that started to get delayed. And I didn't know why. Maybe it was Kelly Thompson, but it's usually art that delays things. And I maybe it's Alana Casagrande because of the way that the art is, because a lot of times it's really, really cool. I mean, it's really good. You have a lot of choreographed fight scenes. Maybe it's hard to keep up and they actually had to have somebody come in and help out because some of the panels 
they don't quite fit with the others we were talking about it so that might be why that that might be the reason why but the art's still good right yeah, it, it it it's weird. It kind of varies, isn't it, Jim? Even the first page, that's quite basic when you look at it, I think. It looks a bit rushed. It looks a bit uh, minimal. But then, as you say later on, especially during the fight scenes, we see some really cool scenes of good art. But one thing I know is, I don't know about you, there's, um, there's kind of a, a lack of background detail. And that seems to be having a lot these days, isn't it? Yeah, it has. And, and you're right. And now that I saw that I'm going through, you almost can see... The scenes that might be Elena Casagrande and when I'm going through it might not be as many yeah, as I thought at sure. first once I saw that because you end up having some really cool things with Lucifer and the Lightbringer sword and then you kind of go back to some basic stuff again not basic in the way that it's like it throws you off and it looks horrible but it just didn't look as good as the first two issues but you still get the full out action when you have the, the big bad Adana this demon that has come back and if you haven't been reading blade got duped he ended up thinking he was saving a girl but in the meantime the girl was possessed by this adana demon who is supposedly you know they say in the in the scriptures that she is going to end up destroying the world everything and there was one person with one sword that could kill her and blade took that person out by accident to let this adana just kind of run wild ended up running off and we end up seeing her at the beginning and when we last saw her pretty much she had ripped the skin off of herself and this unfortunate oh idea i actually felt bad because that girl that dana smith r.i.p i guess she was already dead anyway she was being possessed by this adana yeah. but blade really didn't have much to say or do about like oh no that innocent girl she was just gone. She ended up getting her skin ripped up, and she was now, it's Adana here. And you end up starting out with Adana, kind of going into the Romanian countryside. It's a pretty cool scene. A lot of these, this is very cinematic. Brian mm. Hill is oh, writing yeah. a very cinematic book. And you end up where, you know, a car pulls up, a driver opens the door, and you know that this is that Adana once you see that hideous face. But she gets out and says, all right. Looks like they're all going to come here. I'm going to get attacked. Hey, everybody, I smell your fear. Just, you know, reveal yourself. Let's get this done. And the way it is, like, she's so casual about it. Like, even when you see that she's surrounded by what looks like almost like spiritual magic monks, they end up having a connection with Doctor Strange, and they all end up powering up their magic. And she's barely even, like, she still has her arms behind her back at one point. She's so relaxed, isn't she? Yeah, I say acting so cool, like I don't need to uh, to rush here. And she even welcomes them, Jim, like, welcome to the righteous. Yeah, yeah. So I guess they might be the righteous, but they're going to try to take her out. And there's a yeah. bunch of them. They're surrounding her and they use their Sorcerer Supreme-like magic. You get a very big play with that. And they just blast her. I mean, they're blasting her and then you just see a hand come out and they're sweating. I mean, they're really going at it. And you see a finger snap, and she's the Sedona's fine. And then in a crazy way says, it disappoints me the Sorcerer Supreme did not come himself, but mankind always does disappoint me. And then says to these, you know, the righteous, hey, I want you to see what I'm going to make of the world. And their eyes start catching on fire. It's pretty crazy. I mean, it's really cool. And then says, yeah, uh, I want you to burn. 
And she says, the world never belonged to man. I will unite all living darkness under me, and we shall claim what is ours, burn, and they all catch on fire. And like you said, at that point, there are little things that aren't as good in art that we had before, but it's still really cool. In the meantime, we have Blade, who still has been, you know, captured and is being strangled out in this way by Lord Dido, which I was asking you how to pronounce, and you're like, it's like the singer Dido, and we both giggled. <laughs> Does uh, anybody and, remember that singer? I don't know. We're old, you know, aren't we? So Dido was really big too. With yeah, Eminem for a while. And stuff. I mean, holy yeah. moly! So you end up. This is like that parasitic deal where Lord Dido ended up having that awful tentacle come out of his mouth, strangle up, you know, choke out Blade, put him in the air, and then they actually just repeat what they're saying. It's kind of a cool deal. But it doesn't last long enough. It's a weird play in this where this was the big cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is Blade going to be able to survive? And he ends up just kind of like stabbing the tentacle. And he's supposed to be under control. That's the big play. Oh, he's under my control. He's done. And then Lord Dido is even upset. Like, how did you break out of the control? I didn't get this, Jim. Like, how easy? How easy he got out of it? Because he looked like he was in big, big trouble, didn't he, at this point? Yeah. And he's like, how did I get out? I got out because I get effing pissed. And then pulls out <laughs> a blade and stabs the tentacle. And then in that way is weird because you end up where this tulip, his ex-girlfriend, clairvoyant weapons dealer, yells blade. And then blade says, just give me a second. And then Lord Dido's head just blows up. I was like, okay. And he goes, there we go. I'm Whatever like, he stabbed him with must have been had some kind of weird, like, you know, latent magical power or it's something. It's so weird. I guess, yeah. actually, now that I see it, here's here's the play. It's weird that it looks like his head blows up, though, because mm. there is a deal, a light on the blade. He hit the blade. I believe that is a knife that is also a bomb. Ah, if you see it starts it's, beeping. It's beeping, isn't it? There, yeah, yeah. But why would it blow up his head? I, 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 I'm looking to see it to the tentacle, doesn't up, it? Yeah. Which, uh, Jim, I got to say, it's giving me really sus Japanese anime vibes here. Legend of the Overfiend, that kind of thing. Oh my <laughs> it god, it is funny. Yes, that's what it looks like. Ninja Scroll. It, you end up where <laughs> this thing is like freaking out. Yeah, it got stabbed in the tentacle, but the tentacle's like kind of a way. I wish that there was a way that you can get that kind of close to the head, maybe, mm. so that when you see it, it looks like his head blows up. But there you go. It was a bomb knife, which is pretty cool. And even there, Tulip's like, holy crap. And she's seen some crazy weapons, and they're like, all right, you're welcome. And really what this becomes and has been is that Tulip, she doesn't want to get involved. But yeah. then Blade keeps saving her life, which then says, you owe me. But then Tulip ends up pulling that around and saying, no, you owe me and you owe that because they want to go after this Adana. And this is the, the biggest big thing. It, this Adana is going to destroy the world. And it's kind of funny because we hear that so many times. But this is an underworld type thing, a spiritual thing. Tulip is connected. She has this clairvoyant deal with that as well. And then you end up having Rotha who was the brother of the guy who was cast to kill Adana that Blade ended up taking out. So there's this crazy play. It's weird coming in on the third issue, but they're there eating, discussing what they have to do. Tulip doesn't care about the world. She ends up at points just saying, I don't really care if the world goes down. Mm. The world's not mine anyway, and I could do other things because she has that, you know, underworld spiritual connection anyway. So 
this whole play is, you know, how are we going to kill this Adana? Asking Tulip because she deals with these weapons. And you do get a pretty cool page of basically you're going to have to get the Lightbringer sword from the devil. You know, and you go through the idea of Lucifer was an angel at first before he was cast out. He was the Lightbringer with the sword. But that's the only thing that can stop it. So basically you're being told to stop this big bad of the book. Blade this is like the best start, point. isn't it, Jim, in the whole issue, I think. You can tell it's a change. It's very detailed. It looks good. It reminds me of um, like the Lucifer series or even some of the, you know, the Constantine Hellblazer Yeah, and stuff. it's cool, right? And, it is and cool. they have to, Blade thinks, well, this will be easy. I just have to go to hell and steal a sword from the devil. And they're like, no, no, no. It might be, you know, easier. And this is where Tulip said that would be easier. You're going to actually have to get it from this guy, Hamilton Achilles. Right. The devil doesn't have it anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's kind of the funny play. Like I said, he's like, oh, so I have to go and steal a sword from the devil. All right. And she's like, no, that would be easier. You actually have to go. And I like the way that Brian Hill has her describe this Achilles from Achilles Industries, this Hamilton Achilles. Because it's easy to get with the idea, just pretend he's Tony Stark, but he doesn't deal in technology, he deals in brutality. You're like, okay, I kind of got it. <laughs> it, it that, that makes sense to me. I can't believe she's describing him like as more, you know, more dangerous than the devil. If the devil had it, that would be easier. It's like, oh my God, who is this guy? It is crazy. Now, here's the thing that gets me. So he ends up, Blade says, okay, well, tell me where he is. I'll get the yeah. sword. We kill it. Like, he makes it seem like so easy. Like, all right, show me where his castle is. I'll break in, grab the sword, kill it down and done. And the play is it's not so easy. I think that this might seem a little fancier when you first see it than what it might be, because they say that Achilles, he doesn't live in one place. He actually lives on a bullet train that's constantly moving around. It's a fortress going 150 miles an hour. He's never in one country for more than one day, a few days. So he's going really fast around there. No one's seen him in five years. And Ropa ends up going, oh, my God. So we're attacking a train that might be anywhere to get a weapon that might not exist from a man who hasn't been seen in five years. And in a weird cartoon strip type deal, you know, a comic strip (laughs) look, Blade covers her mouth and says, don't be so negative, kid. It's a very odd panel. It's but so bizarre. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm asking you right now. I I think that not going like almost like spirit train something. Mm. All I would do is take out one of the bridges. I mean, oh yeah, you, you see the bullet train going over a bridge. You don't know where the train, but the train has to be on a set track, right? You would find the track it's on. And what then was take it saying? You were saying, Jim, before we started recording, you were saying like you were getting kind of um, reminders of the the solo movie, and I'm I'm thinking now, do you know do you know Snowpiercer? Have you ever seen oh, that? Yeah, that's that, just, it, that, it that really one as well. Like, it's like that, no yeah. way. But yeah, just take the bridges out. Take one of the bridges out. There if you, you go. take one of the bridges out, it, if it doesn't stop, it's going to crash. Yeah, you would think it would stop, and then you get on. I mean, yeah, you don't have a surprise, but I don't know how you can have it anyway. So no. really, the idea of this, and <laughs> it's funny, it doesn't even look like that big a train. Now, uh, you know, you do have to get this sword, but is the sword necessarily on the train? Does this guy have everything he owns there? I mean, maybe you could even say you could just destroy the train. I think the sword that was the devil's lightbringer sword might survive an explosion. 
you just blow mm. up the train and then sift through the shit. To Gotta get say it. that I mean, train arse, Jim. It's very, very sparse, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, sorry about that, but and that's the the bad part of it is that that's that should be something that looks really cool. It should look of awesome. The concept, maybe even give it like a a bit of a flare because this guy's so bad. Have flames yeah. kicking out of it, like pimp my train. You'd think they'd go like full page, wouldn't you? A big full page of it. Yeah. So hopefully. What they're doing is that, hey, we'll get this out, have a little extra time for when they do. Because I want to see this train. It's a train robbery is what they're going to do, which is kind of fun. And it is cinematic. But I need them to get to, like, really detailed art to go with that. But as they're doing that, they're eating ramen. There's a little look at the ramen, and it looks like you just pick something out of a sewer. (laughs) I was um, I was looking for Selena Kyle's cat. Were you in the background? But oh no, that, that's DC in it. Putting it through the vents. <laughs> so yeah, so you end up going, and they're still trying to figure out. And Tulip's like, I'm not involved. I incest. I just gave you the intel. I'm not going with you. Don't oh, think yeah, that I'm yeah. helping you. And that's where again, and it is a bit of repeat where Rotha's like, "What? We got to kill this woman, or the whole world gets destroyed." What are you going to do when the world ends? And she says, I'll be wearing Gucci, drinking a martini when that happens. And then you end up in a cool thing to remind you that this Rotha is just a, a young girl who has been in like a, a monk type settings. Like, what's a martini? Yeah, like, what's a martini? Know. It's kind of funny. I, I do like mm. her. And I think it plays well with Blade because it gives Blade that that softer side where he does seem to care for her already and will end up and probably feels bad about her brother. But you end up where, and I don't even know, it It seemed like brother in not just the monk type of way either. Like, oh my, you know what I mean? It seemed more personal, but maybe not. Okay. But you end up where, okay. yeah, and, and Blade says to Rotha that a martini's water for grown-ups. And again, though, Tulip is going to leave. Tulip is saying, sayonara, suckers, I don't want to be involved. And they get attacked again. Yeah, Blaze sends it. He's like, get down, quick. Yeah, he's always yelling, like, she better just crawl through this book from now on. Because they got attacked by a Apache helicopter at one point. Now yeah. they're getting attacked by what is Rotha's brothers and sisters, is why I said about her other deal. But, yeah, it's her clan coming in to attack because they ended up, they, they ended up having Blade in a prison. And ended up because of what he did to, you know, the warrior that was supposed to take out Adana. But in this, too, Rotha has that side deal where she does not want to hurt anybody that is righteous, nobody that is good. And that's where Tulip even says, are these your people? Are they good? And she says, no, they're lost. You you can go Are you okay with me killing them? She's like, yeah. You and know. then they start doing it. She starts shooting people. Blade at one point, I thought that this could have played out a little better, too. It looks like he gets shot with an edge. It's like, what is Green Arrow here? He gets shot with an arrow that ends up being electrified, yeah. that ends up trying to elect. Some kind of taser arrow. Yeah, or what? yeah, it does. It's like an ultra taser type deal, but it just gets him pissed. And he just cuts, gets angry. He cuts the line. And then, again, like a Wesley Snipes, he's like, I am not in the mood for this. And I like the idea, too. They're in this, you know, ramen shop. And when they're attacked, you end up having Tulip with these crazy spiritual weapons. You have Blade, obviously, with his blades and things like that. But these guys are coming in kind of old school. I mean, they're archers. They come in and they have these masks on. It looks really, really neat. And as Blade looks like he's about to get killed, 
and arrows like right at them and it looks like it freezes and i didn't know what was going on at first which you're not supposed to no but i kept thinking like is this some weird thing they're gonna have blade or maybe rotha has some magic that we haven't seen because what's her deal but no everybody gets frozen then you go outside and you know blade kind of gets thrown outside he falls down and walks out and stephen strange is there and he says i hear that you're the one responsible for our collision course with armageddon i'm not angry i'm disappointed and i thought you know what that is really cool i like you know dr strange being with blade it fits the story everything that's going on we ended up having the righteous who had that connection get killed so he's gonna be i think he's pissed but he says he's not but still I thought that was really cool. Again, the art could have been a little better on that last page, which we've said enough, but it is a neat idea. And I do like, I haven't been reading or I'm not caught up on the Jed McKay, Dr. Strange book because I kind of got bored with it, but this is kind of like, all right. To be honest, Jim. Yeah. I dropped it. Unfortunately, if you did have a blade movie, and Doctor Strange made a guest appearance and be like, that's awesome. Like that's that would really be cool. cool right. So that's that. all I thought of it. And because of the idea that Brian Hill writes it so cinematic along with the Wesley Snipes feel, I'm like, Ooh, this is, this is neat. It's like, almost like a screenplay, isn't it? This issue. And yeah, if, even all three issues have been like that. You could adapt it easily. Easily. And I, I did see one person review it and said that they thought that was a downer for it, that it seems oh, really? too, I, I don't, I don't mind it at all. No, I think I like that that's why I like it. And it makes it so I don't need, like nowadays, a lot of times you're going to end up with a lot of exposition. You're going. This is such a fast-moving, cool book, and I'm not even going to say fun. I say cool because it really is. I mean, it really Wesley is Snipes cool. Blade is cool. Blade three a little off, but still he's cool. And I really like like Blade two is one of my favorite superhero movies. So oh, it's I, a great I, film. I'm all yeah. with the idea of having. You know, it feel a lot like a Wesley Snipes Blade movie. So I like the way I, that I, Brian Hill, cool. as you say, he's brought cool back to the character, hasn't he? And he writes him so well. It's like he really knows him or he just knows how to make him not just look cool. He acts cool. Yeah, it's really good. And it's and it's done with minimal dialogue. Exactly. And because Wesley Snipes Blade, and Blade shouldn't be sitting there a waxing man a few poetic, words. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah just It's action and you get that. And then you're setting up now that they're going to go to this train with Doctor Strange. All right. Like, that's cool. Now you can even go the play that maybe it is like you can kind of teleport them in, you get in. That's how they're going to do it. But still, that sounds really cool. And Brian Hill himself is a screenwriter and he's written some other things that he said he was having problems with the pacing of a comic because he was. But this, I think he gets, he's nailed. I, I think that this works really well. The only play that would be that I could see some people saying, by the end, it feels like you didn't get, you know, a foolish just because it goes so quick. Yeah. Know? But I, yeah. I, I thought it was really good. Uh, what would you give it? I'm the same. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give this, um, it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm going to give this a strong eight out of 10, Jim. And I can't wait for next issue. Look at that. Look at that synopsis for next issue. Looks good. Oh, looks so cool. I'm going to go eight out of 10 as well. I really had some fun with it. I really thought it was good. The art, a little step down, but. It wasn't enough to not... And it's a, it is a fast read, but I just enjoyed it so much. It's a fast read, but it doesn't stop it from being fun, you know, being really enjoyable. Yeah, I think there's those comics that, you know, after reading, say, this week, and we already reviewed it in the podcast, Ultimate Invasion, which took me an hour to read. Oh, God. I kind of like to jump into a book like this where it's just like, okay, it's a popcorn action movie. There's reasons why this sort of thing is 
is big anyway with movies and stuff. It's not like yeah. when you go and see one of those big summer blockbusters that you're like, I really thought that the dialogue wasn't as good as, say, Schindler's List or something like that. It's it's what it is, <laughs> and you have fun, and you want to go. You go to those movies for a certain reason, and that's kind of why I end up going to this. That's why I do like it. But that is it. Me and you both ate. Such a good way to end it. But thanks, everybody, for listening again this week. We'll continue on next week with a couple books I said Sometimes we'll have more, sometimes less. It all depends what's coming out and what we end up thinking big or what we like. But also make sure you listen to the X, uh, X-Men podcast, the Weird Dose of X that comes out every Tuesday on this feed as well, where Jason and Ruben go through the X-Books. And recently there's been way more X-Books than anything else anyway. I mean, there are a ton of those things. And I just, I ended up following. Are you reading any of the X-Books, Right. I'm only reading at the moment Alpha Flight and um, Uncanny Spider-Man, which I enjoyed. Those are the two. And and probably going on, we'll probably, me and you were going to do Alpha Flight last week, and we didn't end up doing it, mainly because they were doing it on the Weird Joseph X podcast, but also I ended up not feeling so well. So we end up doing all of this stuff, but we might even add that because I like it too. I'd like to talk about it. I'm looking forward to listening it. to that, Jim, and I've not actually listened to it yet, but I want to hear what you know their take is on that yeah, issue. Yeah, I, I, they didn't really like the first issue as much as we did because me and no. you actually did like it. And yeah, I, it's I a did. shame. Maybe we'll. But I'm new to the characters. Yeah, maybe we'll yeah. double dip next time because we like it. We'll see. You, you let me know. But we'll end with that. Thanks, everybody. Check us out on uh, the Twitters at WS Marvel and also go to at Weird Science DC. That's kind of the main deal that we go with. And then check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science for a ton of extra shows. And check out Gray on his Wakasashi's Tea House YouTube channel. I'll have the link in the show notes. Me and Gray each week talk about Grant Morrison stuff. And eventually on the Marvel side, we will probably get to his X-Men stuff. I can't wait, Jim. And thanks a million for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. So everybody, we'll talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.